You're listening to sermons from La Cunada Congregational Church and Pastor Kyle Sears. Join us in person every Sunday at 10 a.m. in La Cunada for worship. You can find more information about our church online at lacanadachurch.org. Every so often I'll experience this physical condition where like my, my field of vision narrows and my skin crawls and prickles and I, I feel restless and, and unsettled, sometimes like desperate and frustrated like within. Um, I, I'm not good around people during these times. I'm, I'm short to them, I'm unkind. It seems like my, my physical well-being impacts my emotional and mental state and even the relationships around me, all because I want a bowl of ice cream and we don't have any in the house. You've been there, maybe, craving something so deeply, not out of true hunger, but it's just something that, that you want and your body expects it. Maybe it's a lack of caffeine in the morning. Um, but, but normally it's stuff that's not good for you anyway, but your stomach demands it. There's something that, that maybe not even your stomach, but your brain, uh, this lizard brain part of us that just wants something so fiercely that we will attack others who would threaten our acquisition of it. James is going to explore how those reactions within us and within a community of faith might actually undermine how we are to be and offer some ways forward. This is James chapter three, verses 13 through chapter four, verse three, and then seven and 10. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, selfish ambition in your hearts, don't be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom doesn't come down from above, but is earthly and unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and don't have it, so you commit murder. You covet something and can't obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord and God will exalt you. Now for James, it seems that there are two primary sources for the wisdom that we engage in. It's wisdom from above or wisdom from below. One wisdom is gentle and good, peaceable, extending righteousness and peace and grace into the world. And the other one is murderous and jealous and envious and ambitious. The wisdom from above makes peace and brings healing. The wisdom from below tears apart and destroys. I think I know where my desire for ice cream goes. <laughs> Pretty sure. But James here is gonna couple wisdom with desire. That what we want impacts how we go about getting it. And what we want is not just ice cream, but ice cream for ourselves. 
There's nothing worse than knowing that we had ice cream in the fridge and I make plans to eat it after dinner and then discover the kids had it all and there's nothing left for me. And now I have to go hiding it from them and not letting them know where I hide it so that I can have it when I want it. Our selfishness undermines our wisdom because our wants are either so unhealthy that no good parent would give it to us or we delude ourselves into never making the request in the first place. Because one of the things that James says is sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Because maybe if we ask, we become vulnerable. And maybe there's something we're asking for underneath what we're asking for that we're afraid to admit. Because I think what, what we really want most of the time is not ice cream. What we really want is the ability to provide some temporary satisfaction by getting what we want, by getting our way, by feeling some measure of control in an otherwise uncontrollable world. And the desire to get what we want orders so much of our lives that we create rules and restrictions or the world would descend into chaos. These arbitrary rules like in the car, I wanna to listen to a radio station, the kids wanna to listen to another one, and so we have a rule, you probably do too, that whoever's driving gets to pick. And they may cede such power to the passengers, but otherwise, it's my choice. We feel that, that because life is so unfair and uncontrollable that if we only play by these rules of dog eat dog, my way or the highway, I'm gonna get what's mine, that then we can finally have some sense of happiness, that we pursue success and wealth and all the things that we are told makes us good in this world because that's what the rules are, that's how they're gonna play, and so we might as well play along. But those rules betray us. Those rules promise things they cannot deliver. And what James will say is that not even the church can escape this gravity well of selfish ambition and desire. That we see how it tears apart nations and communities and families and even individuals when we are at war within ourselves of what we want and what we really want. But for many people, selfishness works. It looks like success, it looks like leadership, it looks like conviction but it rots a community of faith because it tells the lie that we are separated from one another, that we are apart from one another, that some of us are over and above others. And so James offers a remedy here, an alternative, an alternative lifestyle. Submit to God. Resist the devil and those devilish impulses. Clean your hands and purify your hearts. Lament and mourn and weep and get a taste that the world isn't fair for most people. And in humility, allow the Lord to lift you up. You know, so often because we live in this culture of comparison, we look over our neighbor's fences or over their social media profiles in order to see how I measure up. You know, the worst thing is like, you know, the, the 30 under 30 who are like, you know, billionaires by the time they're 23 or whatever. Like, well, by the time I was 23, I could barely, you know, cook a can of soup or whatever it is, you know. Um, we, we, we make these comparisons and judge ourselves against other people. And that model suggests that conformity to the dominant culture is the best way to fit in. 
that I'll put the same Instagram filters on my face as the beautiful people out there put on theirs. When really what we're doing is denying our very own humanity as made in the image of God. I love being a dad because one of the things that is fun to do is to embarrass the children publicly um, by trying to fit in with them and saying things that only teenagers say, that no person who's middle-aged should be saying this or referring to that meme. How do you know that, Dad? Because I do my research because I'm a good parent. Um, <laughs> they sense that I'm trying to fit in in ways that I should not. Like, why would you even try this? It embarrasses you, it embarrasses us, it embarrasses everyone around us. And yet so often we, we try to do just that by putting on this cloak of success or importance or ambition when really what it's doing is embarrassing and telling on ourselves. The world's moved on from us. <laughs> so why should we even try to play by their games? One of the ways I think we can learn how to navigate the reality that the world is not ours to claim, but instead a way that we can submit in order to receive this wisdom from above is by being around other cultures, being around other people, being exposed to ideas and practices and concepts that are different from our own. And so as a young adult, I took service trips to Mexico to remind me that my understanding of poverty was nothing compared to how most of the world works. My travel to Zambia showed me how impersonal I can be since adults there often walk hand in hand as friends. They share their food and their time together freely so that clocks and schedules are unnecessary. My time in Korea reminds me of how big and loud my family is. <laughs> yeah, like kaiju uh, on the subway, just uh, staring and scaring people. Um, but, but in each of those ways, we also receive and understand new perspectives. That's one of the powers, in my opinion, of a church, is that we invite people with different perspectives and walks of life and background and experience together, and that simply by being present with one another, we should walk away saying, I've never thought of it that way. I've never seen that before. I never understood. But because love is the foundation of these relationships that we have, that we can deal with that sense of dislocation, of unease, and perhaps hear the wisdom of heaven in the midst of it. Because seeing alternative approaches to life exposes us to what we otherwise may never notice. Some of y'all just learned to say y'all since I started being the pastor here. <laughs> Erwin. Uh, and, now, and now greets me in this same way. And I love it. Same thing with barbecue and chili cook-offs and all the other kinds of you know, unhealthy food I try to cram down y'all's throats. And so I wonder if maybe we could imagine a life that James describes and that in that imagination might discover something that contributes to the flourishing of our community, not just our church community, but our wider community. Because I believe that the church in our world still matters because we contribute not to just the membership, but to the very neighborhood and place that we have been founded. And so we submit to God and not to our own selfish inclinations that forgets an eternal perspective. And by submitting to God, we come to realize that there is far more complications in this world that we can understand. And so we humble ourselves 
knowing that demanding my own satisfaction, temporary as it is, is foolish. Resistance is all that's required to defeat the wiles of the devil. That when we say yes to God, by implication, we are saying no to the source of death and all the lies that promise life, but instead deceives us into believing that we have to care for ourselves because no one else will. Because the truth of Jesus' good news and the community that centers itself around it is that I do not have to watch out for myself and I do not have to provide for myself because I have a room full of people who will do that for me. And neither do you because you have a room full of people who will do that for you. And across this crowd, I know there are stories when you were at your lowest that the people sitting next to you lifted you up. The call to purification, this embrace of lament and repentance helps us to see the reality of life that goes beyond our own comfort so that we might move into that discomfort and bring comfort to others. We can't be happy all the time. We won't be happy all the time. We have to learn to cry. Because I think what James is saying is that we also aren't gonna cry all the time that there will be these highs and lows within our life. And that as we ride these waves of reality with one another, we realize that we have cause to celebrate with others and hope for people to share in our cares when we are brought low. James is not suggesting that we abandon joy and happiness, but that we find the aim of our happiness encompasses others that our goal is no longer selfish completion for all of our desires, but instead we make sure that everyone gets some ice cream, that everyone gets to partake in the joy of life, and that we notice when there is someone going without that we might be the one who would provide for them, knowing that God provides for us. That does not come natural to us. James is suggesting that this approach is the remedy to this selfish inclination that we all suffer with. He's saying that this community of faith, because of this selfish desire for ice cream all the time, now has high blood pressure and high cholesterol, and it's time for them to experience, you know, that, that change of diet that comes around middle age when you can't eat like that anymore. <laughs> We're no stranger to hearing of this compound damage done to people through religious communities through rejection and alienation and exclusion, they find themselves somehow now distant from the God who promised to never leave them. And so James' suggestion is radical, even for those of us within the church. Confess, repent, submit, humble yourselves. Imagine the headlines if that way of living was taken to heart. To admit that our ways of insistence might do harm to other people. That our fear that produces this panic striving, that our kids have to get an A on the next test because if they don't pass the next test, they won't get into a good college. If they don't get into the college, they won't have a good career. If they don't have a good career, they won't have any money. And then what happens? And instead just finds the peace that comes and that refuses to believe the lie that our winning by their losing harms the way that God has made the world. Now, I've heard people say that this whole idea is kind of naive to live a life of love that, that generates life for other people, 
that that's not the way the world works and you're going to get kicked down at some point. It's too Pollyannish. But I think that continuing to encourage a world that eats itself by devouring the vulnerable first is not the way we are to imagine a life of God. Most of James is unappealing as far as the remedy is concerned. (laughs) Maybe downright crazy. And maybe we're just not desperate enough to change because we have it pretty good. We're not quite repulsed by the way of the wisdom of this world because it's gotten us pretty far at this point. Maybe we're too comfortable to be bothered to recognize that there are people who hurt beyond these walls. That there's people who hurt within them. I mean, I can always find more ice cream. I got keys to a car and an excuse to give the kids. (laughs) I'll disappear for a little bit. But my hope is that we become disrupted as we survey the wisdom that has been offered to us and that we begin to question what we have normally taken for granted. And that the clarity that we come as we ask those questions brings us to a faith that sees God's alternative lifestyle as a source of redemption and peace, as a way to reconcile the division of our world, to make ourselves more whole, not just as individuals, but as a community. That God's alternative lifestyle of love is the best remedy to a world that can only love itself. Amen.